everybody. Welcome to The In-Between. We are super grateful to be joining you, um, or for you to be joining us. However that works, I don't know. <laughs> Whichever is more hospitable. Yeah. So I guess we need to be hospitable. So thank you for joining us. There you go. There you go. Um, we're, uh, we're talking about Daniel and we're getting into like the, 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 the story that everybody has been waiting for. I feel like it's I've all said downhill that a few after times. this. It's all downhill after this. <laughs> after, after this chapter, you're not going to know that That's we're right. in Daniel anymore. Daniel chapter seven, but who cares? <laughs> You, you you probably haven't read much of the second half of Daniel, I'm yep. guessing, um, unless you're just super into prophecies yep. that you are, are hard to understand. But I really enjoyed um, this past sermon, which was just such a gift because, you know, most of the time we're just laboring through them. But no, I'm kidding. Um, I actually got to, uh, when you were talking about uh, retirement and how retirement doesn't need to look. Yeah. Um, for Christians, like we so often look at retirement, I was sitting next to my dad, mm. who is retired, right, but is very much not retired, right, from, from ministry. ministry. He's right. retired from being paid for it. That's right. Um, which is awesome because we get to benefit from that as a church. That my dad is still ministering, but uh, so I, I hit him in the leg <laughs> when you said that because um, I was. Grateful to be standing next to or sitting next to somebody who was doing it right. Yep. You might mention Paul. You you were mentioned right before we started the um, John Piper's John Piper's book. <clears throat> yeah, he kind wrote cool a book uh, called "Rethinking Retirement: Finishing Life for the Glory of Christ." And really, it hit him, it hit him. Um, and I remember the first concept when he was kind of trying to release this on Desiring God as a blog article. Um, but he had he was wrapping up his you know kind of long tenure and career at Bethlehem Baptist and was kind of seeking out that next stage of what retirement looks like. Uh, And what he found himself doing was sitting down and looking at all of the activities that he had now that were going to be kind of taken off his plate because he was no longer standing in that lead pastor role um, and just kind of starting to try to think, how do I want to fill them or not fill them um, was kind of what he was walking back and forth with. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time... He's picking out his RV. That's right. He didn't write this. This certainly was not the intent, and he made it clear it was not a political article. Um, but what he was facing with is at the same time that he was doing this, he was looking at a national election where the three front runners of the time were all over 70. Yeah. Um, all his kind of peers. Bernie and Biden. Bernie and uh, uh, Hillary. Hillary, yeah. okay. And at that time, and Trump. Okay, mm-hmm. and Trump. Yeah, at that time, he was facing and looking at Okay, so here are the same generation that he was, mm. the same age that he was, them in their political career. Not I think slowing I remember down. the the blog because mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. talking about the everybody in their seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here they are trying to take the potentially most influential position in government. Yep. And here he was, kind of sitting back. And what he what he expressed was he realized that kind of the. American dream, the baby boomer dream of retirement, right, was kind of for him. This became the slow lie, almost an mm-hmm. idol, um, where you didn't even realize it. And again, it was kind of the same thing you said, Chris. Of like, right. there's something hinged in retirement that's very good and not a bad thing, right? And yet, it can also have 
strings than a tie. If you if you apply that same mindset about your paycheck to yep. ministry, then you've you've missed it. And so that was his big thing. And so he wrote wrote this book, Rethinking Retirement. I did have somebody stop me on the way out to the car say, um, "Man, my whole dream for." retiring and going and living on the beach and picking up seashells for the rest of my life. You just, you just totally ruined that for me. But it's like, unless you can well, turn it into a ministry, yeah, man, go for it. Ministry. But didn't yeah. Piper have a, have a uh, message though too about walking along the beach and throwing things back into the, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, it was like one of his first big sermons at passion or something that. Yeah. Anyway. It was a joke. That was just a joke. It was a bad joke. It landed well, poorly. What's interesting is, like, I think my Let's parents are an example on. who they retired and then ended up buying a house in Cozumel. But what they've done is they're invested in two or three significant ministries down in Cozumel. So they go down there and they have free time, but they spend a lot of that free it's time. It's like mission work. It, it is a whole lot. Foreign like, mission work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Essentially, it is. They just don't have to have anybody that no one has to raise support for them. They just right. go. And that's that to me is. That's that would be a cool. That's a that's a, a better mindset. Or wasn't that part of the story of the? Uh, and this is not a joke. Sorry. Thanks for the lead up. I, I just need to make sure everybody knows. Um, on the uh, Etau video that we used to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wasn't that part of their story? Was they were too old for the mission organization to or for? Um, yeah. The national they were, mission. They were in their fifties. Yeah. So they were trying to seek to go to a, a unreached people group. And because I think it was the compound of new two missions and an unreached group that was going to be struggling. And the they were too old. organization yeah. said, you can't, you can't do it. They turned them down as applicants. And so and they then had to go out on their own. The church said, we'd love to send you. Yep. That's fantastic. The idea of like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, yeah, I don't, we don't need permission to minister. Permission. Yeah. And that should be, honestly though, that should be what retirement is. You don't need permission anymore. Yeah. Like you just do it. Like Or or I think about like the Heimballs going moving a few weeks ago, moving to Waco, mm-hmm. isn't that right? Yeah. So that they can be centrally located for their family, their kids and their grandkids. Kids right. And, and grandkids. it's a super powerful ministry. That's the biblical ministry often that's listed there. So mm-hmm. anyway, this is that mindset so healthy. And to our theme of integrity that we had last week, like and will probably work its way into this week and the next week too, but is, you know, people, that's, that's again, it, this weird idea that I'm like, I'm devoted to this my whole life until I turn 65 and then suddenly I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Like that, that would indicate to me a lack of integrity. Like, it, okay, that really wasn't the core purpose of your life then if it's something that you can turn off at a certain age or when your 401k reaches a certain number. It should be, no, I just, we're always finding new ways to live this out at every stage. And so right. anyway, I know you guys have both talked. I didn't, I was curious if there was anything, you know, a 35 minute sermon, of course, Paul, you're preaching this Sunday, so you mm-hmm. don't want to give away the, the whole sermon or anything, but is there anything that you guys have learned about, or you tend to teach about with integrity that you would. I know add when, in? when we did it together uh, for the program with young men, uh, the program that we helped lead. Uh, I know one of the things that was always impactful was talking about the cost of which you sell your integrity Mm -hmm. Um, because it was always it always seems to be the lower number you know we we want to make it the higher number it's not the higher number like okay i'm i'm worth a million dollars before i would break my vow on whatever right no it's the low low things that's the case and i remember the the example 
uh, one of the examples that I always come back to, and I know that I come back to the practical example, and I know there's some movie one, but I never get the movie one right, so yeah. I always say the practical one. Um, uh, but it was it was my my uncle uh, who was doing he's kind of doing random stops uh, for uh, DUI, you know, checks type mm. things um, outside of uh, Corpus Christi. And he pulled over a guy who clearly was not, uh, was suspicious in something like things weren't going on. And then, and without kind of much prompting, the guy quickly said, you know what, just, if you let me go, you can take it all. And as it progressed, you know, it was a oh my goodness. whole bunch of money that was, he was just, he had, mm. he was just the mule carrying it. And obviously it was drug money and it was in the back and it was, you know, upwards of three hundred north thousand dollars type thing. Wow. And it's like if you just take it, you know, and they're out in the middle of nowhere, nobody's around, he could just take all this money. And then that realization that he didn't like it didn't even cross his mind to sell his integrity for all of that. He knew he had the job to do. Right. But then buying his coffee at a uh uh you know seven eleven that next whatever week, you know, the he he pays with a five dollar bill and she gives him you know, three ones and a five accidentally that was hidden in there. And he's realizing it walking out. And then like the click of like, oh, well, that's fun. I just got free coffee and made some money, you know, walking out right. the door. And then that realization to him of, oh, wow, I'm going to sell this for yeah. $5 to make $5. I'm not going to. Yeah. $300,000. And, and how true that really is. I mean, I think, again, it's the, you know, the notion of, Am, am I going to cheat on my wife with sleeping with another woman? That idea seems <laughs> so far. Right, so foreign. So foreign. So yep. big of a leap that I'm like, well, no way. But is it the, well, I'll return that Facebook post or I'll, I'll like right. that from the high school girlfriend or from whatever. You know, those we yeah. sell. We tend to sell our integrities at the slow Yeah, a few moments. pennies at a time, not $300,000. Yeah, until then the, the you know, you do it for pennies, then you do it for yep. cents, and then you do it for dollars, and then you tens of dollars. You know, and that's that slippery slope of yep. yeah. absolutely um, of sin, where then selling your integrity for three hundred thousand dollars doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Yep, um, because it you just did it last week for two hundred fifty thousand. You know, I've, so I've told I think I think we talked about. I had a client years ago say who had had an affair and was you know deeply regretting and trying to recover from it. Say of all the decisions of the hundreds of decisions that led to him being in bed with a woman other than his wife, getting in bed with the other woman was the smallest of all of them, of each of the, like if you of each of the, like, like the earlier ones were the bigger decisions mm-hmm. and the, 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 by the end they felt small, like small decisions. And so there's, there's something powerful about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, and I think you talked even a little bit about it on Sunday, that notion of, I mean, Satan being crafty yeah, uh, right. and knowing, I mean, what's the, yeah. What is the big deal with this, you know, exposed sin to this high schooler, Right. Like, what is it wreck of his life? Rather than, no, let's embed that. Yeah. Let's wait till he's that CEO of a ministry, yep. you know, a prominent family man with multiple kids and relationships all throughout the city. And then let's yeah. peel back the curtain. And, That's right. Yeah. And so, the, again, that idea of... Sobering. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't seem like it's going to cost you much, that's when you... Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We all have small Ooh. children, and they're always testing boundaries. Um, and it's, it's a little bit foolish that we think that we're not doing the same thing. Yeah. What, right. what can I get away with? Yeah, exactly. What? Isn't is... it fascinating? I mean, we've all worked with young people and every time if you go like, okay, we're going to have the love dating and sex talk, what questions do y'all have? What is 
always the first question. How far, how far is too far? How far is yeah. too far? And it's like, in other words, how far can I get before it's bad? Like, mm-hmm. how can I get all the way up to that line? What is that line? That when I, I can- was in the when I was in the youth group <laughs> growing up, um, I actually um, I had really wise friends, and I didn't really know at the time how wise they were um, because you know everybody was asking the same question back then as well. This is not a new question. <laughs> My gosh. And he's like, as a student, one of my friends um, was like, you holding know, hands. I, yeah, he's <laughs> holding hands, um, looking at them. Yeah, making eye contact. Don't <laughs> stop that. Stop, stop that. that. No, he was like, it seems like everybody's asking how far is too far. And that seems like we're like, if, if there's a bubble and this is an analogy that breaks down. So don't, I think don't he look knew too that at the time. Him. Yeah. Um, but if there's like a bubble that's everything that's okay and God is at the center of the bubble, it's like we're trying to press ourselves up against the edge of the bubble all the time. Um, and he's like, and you forgot that God's at the center of the bubble. Right. Like, How far can I get go, away from God? Go to the center. And I was like, man. I mean, it, at the time I was like, man, that's good. I think now I'm like, that is freaking <laughs> amazing that that dude at, I guess, 16 or 17 knew that and I was like wow I'm just I'm I'm more and more impressed with my friends and more and more mm. humbled yep um but yeah the I don't I don't I don't usually I don't usually teach so teaching on integrity hasn't really been a thing that I've done but the I get I get to if I get to teach it's usually about worship and the idea that um that there's a part of your life um that's separate in any way mm-hmm. is just that's 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 against the idea of worship right if there's any part of your life that's that's not devoted to Christ if there's any part of your life that you're holding on to to make your own decisions about you're not you're not actually worshiping right um because worship is not singing right newsflash spirit truth um, it's yeah. not about being on one mountain or another. Um, yeah. My goodness. There you go. Um, there's a lot of uh, lessons in Daniel that we've that we've uh, gotten to um, talk about so far, and pride and and humility, um, and integrity, um, in in what devotion actually is um, and is not. Um, uh, the 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 sovereignty of God. Um, I think that's that's one of the things that's that's jumped out to me as I'm looking at uh, different songs to for us to sing as we're as we're um, going through all this. We're we're looking at a whole lot of kingdoms, um, a whole lot of reigns that are ending. Yeah. Um, that that don't mm-hmm. that don't last, and we see um, in stark contrast to that um, a kingdom that does not end. Mm-hmm. Um, we see we see a, a a ruler who is sovereign over everything, even when it doesn't look like he is. Mm, um, even when good. we're even when we're afraid that he's not. Yeah. Um, even when our circumstance may indicate that he's not, like you know, being thrown into a fiery furnace or a lion's den. Um, those those would sure seem like our God's not in control, um, but he is. Um, and, and it's not, and uh, what I've loved about both of those stories is, is these men, boys in one and, and, or not boys, but young men in one and 
old man and another, um, they're not saying like, God's not going to let me go into the fire or God's not going to let me go into the uh, lion's den. He loves me too much to let me do that. Right. It, that's, it doesn't, that has nothing to do with it. Yep. It has everything to do with God is, uh, um, uh, God is sovereign and what you do to me has no bearing on that. So me acting like God is not sovereign um, or me acting like I need to listen to you over him is, uh, um, it's that would be denying the truth, and I'm yeah. not going to do yeah. that. It's like not part of the equation. It's not part of the equation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you you do what you have said you're going to do. I, I get joked at a lot. We talked about this earlier. I get joked at a lot because um, <coughs> uh, some friends of mine know that my like my biggest pet peeve is when people don't do what they say they're going to do. Right. Um, and and like they joke about it with me all the time like i get upset about something and chad's like so wait what you're saying is you just want people to do what they say they're gonna do i'm like yeah that's it that's (laughs) that sums up a lot of my frustration um it's super humbling whenever i'm the one who's not doing that though um got met with that earlier this week yep Um, such a funny thing but anyway um it you know, do what you say you're going to do. That's fine. It doesn't have any bearing on what uh, um, what what's the what's the truth in this matter. Um, and the the idea that um, uh, that any kind of you know temporal circumstance could change um, that truth is is not doesn't have anything to do with it. Yep, and I think you, I mean, you got it right, John. I mean, one of the things that we're seeing time, and time again <laughs> is that... Uh, Something you know, about a blind squirrel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that this, I mean, again, this whole book is supposed to show us that God as sovereign yeah, right. is all-powerful. Right. And and we saw that even the, I mean, even in the very first verse um, of Daniel 1, uh, or second verse, I should say, because it says back then, uh, yes. as a reminder, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And Nebuchadnezzar, it's very clear, like Daniel doesn't even get into verse 2 to make sure that Nebuchadnezzar is not the one who right. is the, who's calling the shots here. Right. Um, Nebuchadnezzar isn't the one who has the power to take uh, Jerusalem in and of himself mm-hmm. because in verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. And so this idea that God is in control, right. and even even that, to the fate of the Jews. So fast forward now all the way into um, our study, and where we're, we're picking up even this next week, um, is now that we're in 6 with the lion's, get, lion's den, what's happening in verse 10? Daniel is now praying um, in his upper chamber with an open window towards Jerusalem. And I think that's a key thing, that he is praying towards Jerusalem, and he is thanking God and making petitions um, before God. And so he's praying for his people. Mm. And so even in one, like, we got this notion that God's still in control. It's not yep. Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Darius now. I mean, right. it's, it's, it is still God doing this, and Daniel hasn't forgot that, and he's still praying for God's people and for their deliverance, because he knows that God is the one who's sovereign enough to do that. That's really huge. And it's it's tough for us, because that feels like one of those things that Christians say. 
You know, yeah. God's in charge. God's in control. God's still on His throne. Uh, and and so that feels like such a slogan or a bumper sticker in some ways that it's hard to stop for a minute and go, no, but, but really, mm-hmm. like this really is the case. Yeah. And that's to realize we watch in the book of Daniel, if you include the prophecies, we watch at least five kingdoms rise and fall. Rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, fall. And then there's this final one in that dream that's a giant mountain that smashes all the others into dust, is set up as the new kingdom, and never ends. Mm. And it just is such a clear picture of, I mean, all these things seem really big when you're in them. Mm-hmm. And they seem so huge. Oh my! And, and they are huge by our standards. The Greek Empire is is a big deal. The Persian mm-hmm. Empire is a big. The Roman Empire is a big deal. Yeah. And and still, at some point, relative, they're dust. Um, and unless what's one of the funny things is when we when we deal with the you know watching the what feels like the change or collapse or the adjustment or whatever of our own society and culture, I mean we don't we don't even get a color on the statue. At at nope. best, we're we're clay mixed we're with the clay, clay yeah. mixed with iron. I mean we're one of the bits of clay or iron that's mixed together, right? And so, of course, we shouldn't be stunned. Mm-hmm. That that that's that the eventual consequence for us as well is well of course we're part of that clay mixed with iron it doesn't mix well as a na- stay together, as though. as the nation of the, the United States of the United yeah, States Western culture I think is the the good news for every Christian is that you're part of the mountain yeah what we're what we're actual <laughs> members of what we're actually ambassadors for is that last that's kingdom, right that last final kingdom that's a I think as we panic with whatever's popping up on social media and whatever, sure. you know, the right and the left can make money on their news programs with or whatever. It how do we how do we engage with that? Like how do we help our own hearts and souls and the hearts and souls of the people who are who we shepherd to go, okay, no, I mean really. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like C.S. Lewis talks about with the whole judgment thing. Either we are all equally without hope. Yeah. Or God's in control. And we're we're okay, but if he's if he's not in control, I mean, yeah, panic. It's not going to yeah, be good, but feel free to good. panic because it's. I mean, it's all <laughs> nothing, right? But Lori, don't is, listen to this part. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> if he is in control, then you don't need to panic. Yeah, it really does come to one of those two things is true. Lori, listen to this part. <laughs> I'm editing as we're going. That's for right, my exactly wife. right. Right. Spoiler. Um, but that's a. It is one of the main messages mm-hmm. of Daniel. And and I think as I'm teaching through it, I'm realizing more and more how much it is such the message of Daniel. Yeah. In the midst of these fascinating stories, we just see leader after leader and ruler after ruler. And and maybe the truth is we could say this is the message of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is God's God's actually in control. Mm-hmm. Xerxes thinks he's in control, but all it takes is Esther to change him. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, each of these people think they're in control all the way up through, and even to the end that maybe the, you would say the religious leaders of Israel in 2,000 years ago thought they were in control, and Jesus is like, no, see, you're, you're just not. And on a very practical note, if there's any part of your life right now that you think you're in control of, guess what? Yeah, guess what? You're actually not. And we have such a cool—you know, a lot of people don't know this. We need to remember when we tell—you know, we want to have a staff day where we tell the story. Yeah. We probably ought to record that. So that we can show it for the church and have it on the website. Yeah, Colson. So Colson over here, he's in the room, being quiet. Yeah, he just waved at all of you. <laughs> um, 
that would be a cool thing for us to have on the web. Because one of the stories that I think needs to be told is like the name. Mm-hmm. When you know Kevin Carswell comes in is like the Thursday before we're voting on Sunday and tells me that whole story about meeting the guy from downtown who's going, ah, that's South Spring name. That makes sense. Like Kevin going, why? No, it doesn't. Why, wait, why does that make sense? I don't know. What are you talking about? And because there was the, if, if you're in Tyler, go downtown and the east, the, the north-south uh, of the east edge of the square. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot south. of people that just lost everything that you yeah, just exactly. said. Just go around the square. It, one of them is South Street. One, south, or south. south Spring. Spring, Spring Street. Spring, excuse me. Spring, Spring Street. Spring Avenue. Is it Avenue? I think so. Okay. And it's... Um, north of it's, downtown. It's, it's north. south. Like S. Yeah. Spring Avenue. Yep. And, and south of downtown, it's South Spring. Yeah. North of downtown, it's North, north Spring. Because it was Spring Avenue because there was a spring... Just south of downtown, where the foundry is now, and we even found, like, we got pictures from the city manager, an overhead map that showed the spring. Yeah, and and uh, that was where First Baptist Church baptized people in the late 1800s and early 1900s, before they had a church, before they had a baptismal. And so this this old guy from downtown goes, "Oh yeah, well that makes sense. Y'all would name it South Spring. That's where we used to, you know, 100 years ago. That's where we baptized people." Like, Nope. We had no idea. Nope. That was not part of our decision-making tree. Again, we thought we voted to name this church, and we did. We voted, and yes. we named the church, and the city, I mean, the state of Texas told us which names we could choose from. They forbid all the others, and blah, blah, blah. We we chose a name between the Texas state governor and us. We chose a name, and you get there, and you go like, or maybe it wasn't so much our sovereign decision that chose this. We were free to choose what God had sovereignly chosen. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's almost like those aren't in competition. <laughs> You'd almost think that. You would almost I, I think that. I do. Um, Not to get into too much of a... Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a podcast for another time. And Oh, my three, goodness. Three other people. Yeah. <laughs> three other three people. Three different people. <laughs> <laughs> three people that actually want to have that conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Very cool. It is cool Very to get cool. into this. This Thank is you guys. this uh, this book um, has been uh, more timely than we could have imagined um, when we were talking last year. Um, it wasn't it wasn't this time last year. I think it was a little bit later in the year, but last year in 2019, we were talking about how we were going to do Daniel next when we finished John, um, and. Could not have imagined how well, um, again, um, making decisions and then realizing, oh yeah, yeah, thank you, was, Lord. That was for, a good choice, God. <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> Thanks God. for letting me freely make um, the choice for doing that. And so <laughs> this has been uh, such a such a fantastic um, book for us to be going through in this time in this time of change, um, of of perceived upheaval um, in so many different ways uh, to be reading about um, people that uh, following God who is sovereign, almighty God who has uh, um, led his people through things like this over and over and over again. Um, man, it's just been fantastic. So um, we, we, we really do. We hope that you're encouraged be encouraged um, and, and uh, remember that God is sovereign. Mm-hmm.